Welcome to the Wesley Word. Welcome back to Evensong. We are in week four. Next week we'll wrap it up, uh, our series on the Sermon on the Mount. We've been looking at uh, Jesus' most prolific sermon that takes place in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And if you missed some Sundays, we spent the first week looking at Jesus' call for us to live into that beatific life that he's let out, all right, um, that he's laid out before us. Blessed are, are the peacemakers, over that. Blessed are those folks. I got a little confused there. Um, and then he also tells us to be, right, the light of the world and the salt of the earth. He says, you are the light. You are the salt. Let your light shine before others. We talked about what it means to be salty is that you should, when people encounter you, they should leave you and thirst more for Jesus, right? You shouldn't be a Jesus turnoff when they encounter you. You should encounter people in such a way that they thirst and long for God more because of the interaction that they had with you. That was week one. And then we got to look at the last part of chapter five in week two, and we began to look at this idea of, of when Jesus says, be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect. We said that word perfect is more the word complete, or mature. And so what does it look like for us as a people of faith to live out our lives in such a way and to practice our faith in such a way that we are constantly moving towards a maturity, a more complete faith? We're not there yet, but we're moving towards it. Then last week, we began to dive into chapter six a little bit, and we talked about uh, the big question of what is our motive, right? What is our motive? And Jesus laid out uh, some money stuff and also some ego stuff, and we said, you know, what are you going to serve? You can't serve two masters, right? What is going to sit on the throne of your life? Is it going to be your ego, right? doing things in the face so people look at you and boost you up? Or are we going to live so that Jesus sits on the throne of our hearts and the throne of our lives? And which master will we follow, right? That was last week. This week, we're getting in uh, the last part of chapter 6. And some familiar passages, if you've heard this before. Um, but if not, I hope that it falls afresh on you. This is Jesus' talk on, on worrying, right? And I've been a campus minister now. This is my 10th year. And I've never met a college student who ever had a worry in their life. So this might not be applicable to you. Um, then again, it applies to all of us, right? right? I've been there, right? I worry all the time. When I hear this, and I'm preaching this, I'm preparing this, I'm like, all right, God, yes, I needed that. Yes, I need this. Yes, I need that. Like it spoke right to me. But hear these words from Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. This is Jesus talking about worrying. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life, to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we pray that you would speak through me or despite me, but in some way may you have a word for us tonight, either through this proclamation, through prayers, through our songs together. We pray that you would speak in some way. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. 
So when I was preparing for this, it took me immediately back to a song of like my childhood, right? I was born in the early 80s. 82, to be exact, October 2nd. Next Sunday, I turn 40. I'm a little scared, a little worried about that, but it's happening, right? Um, but in the late 80s, so I was like five or six years old, this song came out, right? Don't worry, be happy. Familiar with it? Yes, all right. It's been on my head all week long, right? The chorus there, I'm going to save you the, the pain of having to hear me sing that, but as you hear the words and the lyrics of that song, right, uh, Bobby McFerrin's song, it goes, you know, don't worry, be happy. Here's a little song I wrote, right? Want you to sing? I'm not going. All right, it says, don't worry, be happy. In the here, he says, in every life we have some trouble. All right, be a little prophetic here. In every life we have some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. He goes on to say, ain't got no cash, ain't got no style, ain't got no gal to make you smile. Don't worry, just be happy. Just because when you worry, your face will frown, and that will bring everybody down. That might be some bad theology there, but we'll get there. All right, he says, now listen to what I say. In your life, expect some trouble. You let me say, and remind it once again, and when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. But my life is a mess, right? It's the song sounds great, but like I'm still gonna worry. Like you're like Steve, that's a great song, great catchy tune, but come on, right? We don't have defensive backs that can cover receivers. Like we thought we might go back to the playoff this year. I'm a little worried about the team, right? Many of you have said, like, I'm drowning in midterms. Oh, my goodness. I t- it's like, I always ask me, like, when is midterm week? It's like every day is midterm week, right? Like, you get your syllabus, and then, boom, it's midterm semester, it feels like, for a lot of you, right? Or you're going to the career fair, and you're like, I need to know what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. i got to figure that out in the next two weeks, what I'm going to be doing for the next 85 years, right? i got to know, right? Do people like me? Are they pretending to like me? All these things go on in our head, and we begin to worry, right? The inflation is going high. I sent out a joke this summer, right, in the group me, and I was like, yes, Due to inflation, we were no longer have snacks in the Wesley building. And everyone was like, oh, the outrage, right? I was joking, right? But are we going to have snacks in the Wesley building? Yes, we're going to have snacks in the Wesley building, okay? Um, but we begin to think about all these things that happen, right? Um, the, the polit- that's even like big things, like politics starts creeping in. But all the different things that we worry about, they come and they come and they come and they come. And even when we try to take a deep breath and step away, they tend to find us, right? I had the cool time. I took Coleman to his first away game on Saturday uh, to Wake Forest, which I'm going to tell you, if you've never been to an away game, it's a close ending, and the other crowd just goes silent and leaves all sad. It's a great feeling, right? right? It's a great feeling, <laughs> right? But I remember being there and thinking, all right, it's Saturday. I, you know, I'm just having time with Coleman. This is nice. This is chill. Uh, like my phone is going to blow up on Saturday. It's going to be great. I'm sitting in the stands, and like we're getting ready for, for kickoff, and my phone's just blowing up. I've got like five people that I like almost never hear from, they're texting about all these different things, all this stuff. Going. I'm like, just, just, just stop, right? right? Technology is great, but also like invades our personal space sometimes and it adds to our worry and stress because we never get a break from it, right? But don't worry. Be happy, the song says. Jesus, our Savior, says, don't worry. Just, just chill out. It's going to be okay, right? But what are we to do? What are we to do? Because we're, if we're honest with ourselves, and again, I've had many conversations with you, and if not, I know me personally, I'm, I'm a worrier. I try to say, no, I'm a calm guy, but... I'm a worrier. It happens to me, and too, too often, right? Reminder here that the worry that we're talking about, too, when I mention this, right, um, is, is not the same as anxiety, right? And it's not the, the clinical anxiety that, we're, that some folks deal with, and so I don't want to make light of that. But the worrying here that Jesus is talking about is sort of that meteor shower of what-ifs that we all tend to fall into sometimes. Well, what if this happens, right? What if that happens? I can't go here because what if they think this and this and this and this? And before long, all these what-ifs are sort of weighing you down, and you can't even get through your day or through your week because you're, you're worried about what 
what if or what might happen, right? Which Jesus reminds us in this passage, right? Basically, I could sum it up by Jesus saying, I got you. I got you. He says, think about the birds. They don't do anything all day long, right? They just fly around, having a nice little time, a little chirpy chirp, right? They just do their thing, and I make sure they're taken care of, right? The lilies of the field, right? They don't spin. They don't have to make their own clothes, right? They don't have to do anything. But think about how I cover the fields and how I take care of them, and then we just chop them up and throw them in the fire later on. Just think about the birds. Think about the lilies. Think about how good I take care of those creatures. Now, how much more am I going to take care of the people who I've created in my image, who I've called good, right? How much more am I going to take care of you? God says, Jesus says, I've got you. Don't worry. I've got you. Still, it's tough for us to come through on that sometimes, right? Also notice here, a little sidebar here, right? Jesus is not saying, don't be like the birds and do nothing all day, right? Don't be like the lilies and just kind of fly around the field and like sit there and be like, ah, sunshine, right? You still got to put the work in, right? Right? And the audience that Jesus was talking to here were people that were putting the work in. But he says, put the work in, right? Do what you can do and know that as you are putting the work in, I've got you. Don't worry. I am with you every step of the way. I am present in your life here, now, and always. Because what happens when we start to worry, right? Worry is one of those things that sucks the joy out of us, right? It can poison your joy. It can take your joy because we get those what-ifs running and running and running. And I was looking at some research. I didn't do some research, but I read some numbers. And some folks kind of tackled this idea of worrying. And they began to, to follow people along. And this one researcher found that of the people that worry, all the things they worried about, that 85% of the time, those things never happened. All the what-ifs that we build up in our mind, right, 85% of the time, they never even happen. And then what they found out was, and there's some numbers here for you, right, the 15% of the times that something did happen, right, about 80% of that time, you do those numbers when you go to sleep tonight, right, those people found that what did happen, their worries, were either not nearly as bad as they thought it was going to be, or they were able to make their way, make their way through it, or they learned some valuable life lessons when they came out and were better on the other end. And so for all the worrying we do, only a small, small portion of the what-ifs actually ever come true. And maybe you take some inventory, you can think about that as well. But Jesus reminds us in our passage today, in verse, verse 33, right? He says, but strive for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That says, I got you, but focus on me. Focus on me, and all will be well. And he says, so don't worry about tomorrow. This is kind of comforting, right? Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring the worries of its own. The trouble for today, or today's trouble, is enough for today, right? Now, we could look at that and be like, well, dang, Jesus, that's a real uplifter. Yay, right? I think he's saying, just focus on today. Be present in the moment and know that I've got you, and I will walk with you step of the way. He's also saying that there will be trouble, right? Because this isn't like, we don't want to preach a Christianity light here, right? We know there's going to be trouble in life. If you've been in school more than a week here, and you've all been in school a little more than a week here, right, you know you're going to worry. You know it's going to be exams. You know your blood pressure is going to go up. You're going to be stressed. Different things are going to happen. Life is going to come at you, sometimes harder than others. Some days are good days. Some days are hard. We know that we'll have those hard days. But Jesus says, just focus on the present and trust and know that I am with you. What he's getting that, right, is saying, I want you to watch out for that perpetual worry and anxiety. I like how Max Licato talks about it. Um, he writes a book, Anxious for Nothing, and in it he talks about how the, pres- the, 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 the presence of anxiety and worry is unavoidable. That happens in our lives, right? I would be a liar if I told you, hey, you're never going to worry, you know, never going to be anxious, right? But he says the prison of anxiety 
is optional, right? We're going to have anxious moments. We are going to worry, right? And that's unavoidable, but we have to find, find ways not to become prisoners of that worry and of that anxiousness that holds us back from being who we are called to be. And so I want to sort of um, give you some practical things tonight as we go through this quickly. Um, not a big acronym guy, but I got an acronym, all right? And so we're going to look at how do we stay calm through worry, right? How do we stay calm in the midst of, of, of worry and that light anxiousness, right? So the acronym C-A-L-M, right? Um, because we believe that God is present with us, and I spelled that right, right? Somebody's laughing at me, okay? All right. Um, we believe that God is present with us and can help us do that, right? And so the first one, that C, is to celebrate God's goodness, right? Take a minute in the middle of the worry to celebrate God's goodness, right? Turn your attention away from the problem and just think about the goodness of God. Celebrate God. It's part of why we come to worship uh, on a weekly basis, to step away. And you can bring your stuff with you to the altar, but you also step away and step out and say, I'm going to worship the God who has created me. I'm going to worship the God who has redeemed me. I'm going to worship the God who promised to send his Holy Spirit upon me to help me sustain and go out this journey and to worship God in that. Right? The psalmist says, lift up your, your eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. I have to remember that C, to celebrate God's goodness, right? Uh, look at the, I don't think anybody's got little kids, right? If not, it's okay. Um, I, had, I remember Coleman and Finley, when they were like going nuts as, as little baby infants, and then also as toddlers, right? There were times as a parent where you just had to step away, right? You had to step away from the situation, right? You don't want to get too fresh. You don't get too in there. You just limit and step away. Take a deep breath, right? Celebrate the goodness. You're like, that's my offspring. I love them. They're little demons right now, but they are good people, right? And you come back in, all right? They're not here tonight, so I can talk about them. They're awesome kids, right? Um, but you got to step away sometimes. Step away. Celebrate the goodness that's there. That's C. Celebrate God's goodness, right? Um, letter A in that, that calm acronym is important. Sometimes we overlook it, and that's to ask God for help. Ask God for help. Um, I think as Max Taylor brought this out, I didn't realize it. You think about the parable, the feeding of the 5,000, right? This massive, awesome thing that happened where Jesus feeds the 5,000 people that are gathered there. The disciples, they make a plan on their own. And they don't talk to Jesus, right? If it was up to the disciples, that never would have happened because their plan, they're like, oh, look at all these people. What should we do? Mm, I know what the Christian thing to do is. Let's send them home hungry, right? That was their plan. Let's just send them home. We can't feed them. Let's go. They didn't even think to ask Jesus, what should we do? They came up with their own plan outside of Jesus and said, we're going to send them home. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. But the disciples didn't think to ask the same person that they had seen cast out demons. They didn't think to ask the same son of God who, they had, who brought someone back from the dead, who had healed the sick, right? who had turned water into wine and made the party a whole lot better. Right? They didn't even think to ask the guy. They didn't think about asking Jesus. They didn't think about asking God. Right? What's it look like in your life? Now, maybe you're not sitting there looking at how am I going to feed 5,000 people. But all the worries that you're carrying with you right now, the stresses, the anxiety, how often have you asked God for help in those? God, help me get through this. God, help me send someone here to walk with me to help me get through this, right? To help me get out and to make this happen. In his book, The Dance of Hope, Paul Frey talks about the story um, about when he was a young teenager. He was stuck outside, and his job for the day was to get rid of the stump, right? If you ever had to get rid of a stump, you must cut down the tree, there's a stump left, right? 
First time I had a tree taken down to my house, I didn't know they left the stump up. They took the whole thing with them. No, they just cut the tree and leave the stump, right? And Paul Fry talks about how he is, he spent a whole day as a kid trying to get this stump out. And he was digging around it and he was you know, jumping out on the, on the shovel and, and couldn't get it. And he just dug it out and dug it out and just couldn't get the stump out of the ground, right? And he's just kind of leaned over, just tired. And his dad pulls up and his dad's like, you know, typical dad. What you, what you doing there? Dad, I'm trying to get a stump out, right? I've tried, all, I've tried everything. I've dug it out. I've, I've jumped on the shovel. I've done all I could do. I'm, I'm done. It's, it's, there's nothing else I can do. Right? And his dad said, well, there's one more thing you could do. He's like, no, Dad, I've tried everything. There is nothing else I can do. And his dad says, well, you could ask me for help. And Dad, in big dad strength, right, gets up and, and works on it a little bit and ties some chain around it and puts it on the back of the truck and, and pulls it out, right? Kind of a, 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 a good story, Might not, hopefully not cheesy, but that point struck home for me, right? How often are we trying to dig out things in our lives that sometimes have like deep roots like a stump does that we just can't pull out on our own? And how often do we fail to ask the God who promises to be with us every step of the way, hey God, can you help me out on this? Can you help me get through this? And sometimes that's just the spirit working within you. Sometimes the prayer is, is God, this is bigger than anything I can imagine. Can you put someone in my life? Can you, find, can you help me find a counselor I can talk to? Can you help me find a therapist I can talk to? Can you put me in a small group that will help walk with me? Are we asking God for help in the midst of our cares and our worries? So we're going to celebrate God. We're going to ask God for help. And then the, the L there is we're going, to, we're going to leave our concerns with God. We're going to trust God. Because on the one hand, we got worry. On the opposite end is trust, right? And trust and worry don't go together. They're, 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 they're rivals. There's tension there, right? Uh, when you're either trusting or you're worrying. Now, it's not really a black and white thing because oftentimes I find myself in my faith, I'm like, God, I'm trying to trust you, but there's a whole lot of stuff going on out here. And it's this constant ebb and flow there. But the goal is to be able to leave our concerns with God, to trust God. Because what happens when we trust God is it frees us up to begin to work on the things that cause those worries in the first place, right? In the Greek there, the word for worry in Greek is a compound word made of a verb and a noun. Uh, the verb is divide, and the noun is mind. And when we worry so much, our mind begins to be defi- divided. And so when we trust God with it, right, we trust God with it, it gives us, it frees up our brain space to be able to take a realistic look at this and say, well, what is the really big deal here? How can I begin to attack this? How can I begin to conquer it? All right, leave your concerns with God so you can free up your space, your mind space for good. So we're going to celebrate God. We're going to ask God for help. We're going to trust God by leaving it with him. And the final thing in our acronym here tonight is to remember to meditate on the good things. Him there, meditate on the good things, right? If you ever get yourself like worked up for a long period of time or you feel like the world is ending, I... One simple step that's helped me over time is to begin to keep a gratitude journal. Right? Because when you keep a gratitude journal, you spend time each and every day in gratitude. It really does. I mean, it's a catchphrase like gratitude will help change your attitude, but it really does. When you begin to think about all the, the, the good things and to focus in the present, right, and what is going on, what's happening good in the present, right? The world may feel like it's falling around you, but as you take a step back, as you celebrate God's goodness, as you ask God for help, as you trust in God, to say, all right, what are the good things that are happening here? How can I draw strength from that as I go through whatever journey it is that I may be going through, right? That's a choice to focus on the good things. I like how, um, again, Max Cato did a good job. I don't like all this stuff. I liked him on this stuff. Um, he talked about, you know what's the, the good phrase, right? Life gives you lemons. You make lemonade, right? 
Um, I like his spin that he put on that. He says, look, the truth is life is going to give us all lemons, right, at different times. Life is going to give you lemons. He says, but it's up to you whether or not you're going to suck on them and be sour all the time, right? It's about attitude in some ways, right? Or are we going to focus on the good things, even in the midst of the lemons that come? How can we focus on the good as we work our way through that? So what does worrying solve? Jesus is kind of like, mm, not a whole lot, right? God tells us, Jesus says, I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. And while worrying won't solve anything, just as Jesus doesn't call us to be birds of the air or the lilies of the field, right, there's still work that we can do to help us work through those those issues there. I remember my dad um, telling me, um, you know, now that I'm a dad, I like to give advice. I'm like, are they going to remember this? It's going to be like, right, right. But there's one time, one of the big pieces of advice I remember my dad giving me, I was out on the playground. I was probably like, I don't know, 10 years old. And like the weight of my shoulders was, the weight of the world was on my shoulders. It might've been a test. I might've been hoping that the girl said yes to the note I wrote her. I can't remember what it was, uh, but something big was weighing on me. And I remember being on the playground in his backyard and my dad getting out there, right? I felt like I was in the Lion King. Like, he draws a big circle, right? And um, he says, all right, Stevie, you know, I was Stevie then, right? Stevie, here's what I want you to do, right? In this circle, right? All the things that you can control, right? The studying for the exam, you wrote the note for to check yes or no, whatever it might be, right? All the things that you can control, put them inside the circle, right? And then he picked me up and he, he set me down in the circle, right? He said, these things that are around you in the circle, these are things that you can control. He said, focus on those. Work on those. Spend your time and energy on those. Don't look outside the circle. All these things that are worrying you, that are pressing, I feel like you're pressing in, you have no control over, don't spend time with them. Focus on what's in your circle and what you can work on. I think that's part of what Jesus is getting at with us is, is be in the moment. Focus on the day-to-day. Know that God has got you and will walk with you every step of the way. But he's saying, get to work, right? Some of you are like unhappy with the way the political world is working around us. Like all of you about 18 now, you can start voting. You can make a difference in what you do. You're like, ah, I wish Wesley was a little more hospitable. Guess what? You can be that voice in that face, making this place more hospitable and making the changes that you want to see, right? Showing that kindness. Ah, I got to get a job. What am I going to do, right? Ooh, we have a career fair all last week, right? There's opportunities. You can't just worry about it. You got to put one foot in front of the other and get going with it. I'm going to close with, with two things, a prayer in a second, but first a poem that I found um, by Helen Malicote. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, here, here was she wrote um, about being in the moment. I don't remember what God has, trick you, not there. Um, remember what God has said, right? It says, I was regretting the past and fearing the future, but suddenly my Lord was speaking. My name is I am. He paused. I waited. And God continued. When you live in the past with its mistakes and regrets, it is hard. I, was, I am not there. My name is not I was. When you live in the future with its problems and fears, it's hard, and, and I'm not there. My name is not I will be. She goes on to say, when you live in this moment, it is not hard, for I am here. My name is I am. We follow and serve the God who claims the name I am. We follow the Jesus who says not to worry. I take care of the birds and the lilies. How much more am I going to take care of you? Live in the present. Focus on the circle and what you can control. Cast your burdens aside to Jesus and allow him to walk with you, even in carrying sometimes. I want to close today, and we're going to do a, a group prayer as the band comes forward. 
Um, I went with the long version here. Uh, Reinhold Niebuhr was the first one, I think, to, to write the serenity prayer. And I want us to, to pray that together as we, as we close before we continue on in, in worship. And after this prayer, we'll invite the band to, to come up or as we do it either way. Um, we got that on the screen. We'll pray this together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would like it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this world and supremely happy in the next. Amen. The Wesley Word is a production of the Clemson Wesley Foundation. For more information about Clemson Wesley, check out our website or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, get out there and love your neighbor.